This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. God. God doesn't punish without warnings, by the way. That's not the character of God. Read the Old Testament, you find before God brought judgment, there was always warning. Warning, 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 warning. He's warning, he's warning us that he's going to judge this world. How many times? For, for years, right? No one can say anything. But he's warning us, he's warning you. See, God sees everything, he knows everything, he sees your sin, your actions, your thought, everything. And here Paul's saying it's a warning. If you saw a bottle with a skull and crossbones on it, you probably wouldn't fill a drinking glass and take a big sip of its contents, would you? Pastor Eddie is sounding the same alarm that the Apostle Paul sounded 2,000 years ago. Just like that bottle with the warning label, they are both pleading with us to treat immorality like the deadly poison that it is. May God's Word resonate in our hearts today. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 as he continues his message, A Life-Pleasing God. Now, if you want to please God, you want to walk with God, and you want to do the will of God, you want to sanctify your life, avoid the sins. There are many sins, however, there was one that God takes serious. There is a sin that God takes seriously. Not the, you know, people say the ultimate sin. There's no such thing as an ultimate sin. The ultimate sin is blaspheming of the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, and what does that mean? It's just rejecting Jesus. That is the ultimate sin you can't be forgiven because how you're forgiven of your sin? Accepting Jesus Christ. How are your sins forgiven? Accepting Jesus Christ. But if a person rejects Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, that is the ultimate sin. Why? Because their sins are not forgiven. Murder is forgiven. Adultery is forgiven. Divorce is forgiven. There is not a single sin that cannot be forgiven but the sin of rejecting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That is it. But out of all those sins, there is a sin that's really been dominant throughout history. It's in the history of man. And this is a sin that God takes seriously. Let us read to the end of verse 3, but let's read verse 3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from what? Sexual immorality. Abstain from sexual immorality. Sexual immorality is one word in the Greek. Is the Greek word pornonia, from which we get the word pornography. And yes, that's a sin. It means fornication. It actually means any kind of sexual activity or conduct, whether it's mental, personal, or with others, outside of bounds of holy matrimony between one male and one female, but today I am adding one biological male and one biological female. Anything outside of that is sexual immorality. Very simple. The Thessalonians were living in a time, they were living in the providence of Rome, and sexual immorality was rampant. There was a church, uh, Diana 
where they actually uh, would have a temple for sexual activity and they would have prostitutes from the temple where they would go out. So sexual activity is not different from today. A book written by Edward Gibbs, the book is titled The History of the Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire. And you know, the Roman Empire was doing very well for the first 500 years. The first 500 years, if you divorce, was considered illegal. Divorce was considered illegal. However, when they lifted that, guess what? The decline and the fall of Rome. Anything goes. Anything goes. What destroyed Rome was an inside job. Anything that was... uh, Immoral they went for. Sad to say that's how America is. Anything goes. We're being, America is not being, we're not, it's not so much we have enemies outside, we have enemies inside. They want to destroy the family. They want to destroy your children in the schools. Even before they're born, they want to kill and destroy the children. They want to redefine marriage. If they go, the family goes, the whole nation will go. Praise God for those who believe in God and do not compromise. It's not a political view. No, it's a biblical view. And it's to be biblically correct, and they're not politically correct. It's fornication. It destroys from the inside. But it's not only outside of the church, by the way. It's inside the church. It's inside the church. Christians are being like the world, not any different, They're living with someone, a spouse, not a spouse. They're living with someone who they're not married to. But it's okay because the world says okay. Rome says okay. The world says okay. It's natural. Uh, My parents weren't married. So it's okay. This is the culture now. I'm sorry that the Bible says it, but you know, the Bible's outdated. God still calls it a sin. It's still sexual immorality. And because the Bible calls it a sin, I call it a sin. Living with someone having sex outside of marriage is sexual immorality in the eyes of God. One cannot please God. One cannot do the will of God in in sanctification if you're going to continue to practice sexual immorality. 1 Corinthians uh, 6, verses 9 through 11, Paul writes this. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God, and such were some of you. He's talking to the church in Corinth. They had sloppy agape. But you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. You had to set yourself apart. Walking with God, pleasing in God, sanctification, avoid this. Don't be deceived. Verses 4 and 5, he says that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. Verse 5, not in passions of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. He's not specifically saying non-Jews because remember, uh, mostly everyone in Thessalonica were either Gentiles, Greeks, there very few Jews, Acts chapter 17. They said a multitude of Greeks follow Paul, but only a few Jews. 
So he's just saying, just like the world who don't know God, the world who don't know God, they don't know how to control their bodies. They're not concerned about sanctification, holiness. When we came to Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells in us. Listen, don't think of this as, oh, yeah, it's just, you know, one of those spiritual cliches, those biblical cliches. Listen, if you want God to be real in your life, you need to consider God to be real. And to know God is fear. It's a healthy fear. It's a healthy fear. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If God is real in your life, then your conversion, you should consider it real. And if Christ, through the cross, we're saved, that should be real. And if we know when we accept Christ, the Holy Spirit, and God is in us, in your heart, you must realize that it is real. Christ is really in your heart because you accepted him. And it's important for us to know that because we need to sanctify, do the will of God, walk with God to please God, and we need to avoid all sin as much as possible. Remember, last week we said to be tempted is not a sin, it's to fall into temptation that makes it a sin. Jesus was tempted in all forms. But, you know, we have this body that glorifies God. And this is our vessel. We must learn how to control it. We must learn how to take care of it. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, when it talks about temptation, that is, no temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. So what does that mean? You can't say, oh, the devil made me do it. But with temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. When Jesus was tempted, what did he do? He didn't go see a, a, a psychiatrist. He didn't go see a counselor. He didn't go see a brother in Christ. And say, hey, no, he quoted scripture. Saying, say, hey, turn these breads into stone. You've been 40 days without food, Jesus. He said, master, I live by bread alone. Hey, Jesus, why don't you bow down and worship me? You see this, you see this kingdom, you see this world? This world belonged to me because I took it from Adam. Remember, you gave it to Adam. Adam sinned. I took it, now I own it. Right? Which to me is Christ, the greatest temptation of Christ. Because he was offering the world. He said, Jesus, you don't have to go to the cross. I got a shortcut for you, Jesus. You don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to suffer. You don't have to be whipped. You don't have to be nailed to the cross. Just bow to me because you came here for this world. I'll give it to you. Just bow to me. That was a shortcut. But it also is a temptation. When Satan offered this world to Jesus, what do you think, what do you think was so tempting? What's so tempting about that? His love for you. He saw you. He mentioned your name. He saw you. So you mean that I could save Austin? You mean I could save Pastor John, Jason? You mean I could just by bowing down to you saying, no, I'm going to do it the right way. I'm going to pay for their sins, and I'm going to suffer the cross. But what did Jesus do? He said, man shall not, man shall, you shall worship the Lord your God, right? He used scripture. So when you're tempted, just like Jesus, you use scripture. And it's not a temptation that you cannot handle. The reason you keep giving into it and it becomes stronger and stronger. First Corinthians, this is a long one, but just take notes and read it at home again. First Corinthians chapter 6, verses 12 to 20, Paul writes, Food for the stomach is stomach for the food, but God will destroy both it and them. But the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God both raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know, here it is, that your bodies are members of Christ? 
your mind, your body, everything? Shall I, shall I take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does, it's outside the body. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know, this is very important here, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? God is real in your life. You really believe that Jesus saved you? You really believe that you have salvation through Christ? Do you really believe that Jesus in your heart and the Holy Spirit? Your body is the temple. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God. And you are not your own, for you were brought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. It's the vessel. Your body is a vessel. God doesn't dwell in temples made by hand. But he says it again in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, you will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy. Which temple you are? It's a question. Examine. Some hard stuff. But this is what the world is dealing with. This is what is, is, is being accepted in churches now. Alternative lifestyle, homosexuality is accepted. Even ordained ministers. What Bible are they reading? What God are they really serving? Your love is not to be lustful, sensual, and immoral, but your love is to be pure and holy. Pure and holy. Verse 6, that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this manner. Sexual immorality against God not only against God, sexual immorality is not only against the vessel, your body, but it's a sin against others. Here Paul's referring to fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And you may say, how? Well, in greeting and context, talking about sexual immorality. Because I tell you this, if they're Christians living together, they're not married. What makes you think there's not, you know, Christians having an affair with someone else's wife or someone else's husband? And that's what he's talking about. That no one should take advantage of and dis- defraud his brother in this marriage, in this manner. Sorry, because the Lord is the avenger of all such. As we also forewarned you, we forewarned you and testify. Paul, again, he's talking to believers. He's warning the Thessalonians. He's warning Calvary Chapel of Milford. He's warning every church across the nation in this world that has served Jesus Christ and believes in Jesus Christ. Don't have that in your life. Sanctify yourself. Control your body, the vessel, the house of God. And don't look at another man's wife or don't look at another uh, uh, woman's husband. God said he's the avenger of these things. It's a warning. And if God gives a warning... And we thank God. God doesn't punish without warnings, by the way. That's not the character of God. Read the Old Testament, you find, before God brought judgment, there was always warning. Warning, 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 warning. He's warning, he's warning us that he's going to judge this world. How many times? For, for years, right? No one can say anything. But he's warning us. He's warning you. 
See, God sees everything. He knows everything. He sees your sin, your actions, your thought, everything. And here Paul is saying it's a warning. And it's for you and I, not only for them. Now, for the innocent, for those who are innocent, just want to encourage you. I know some people not here. I don't know if any, hopefully not. But anyway, I know, brother, this has happened in the church. I've seen this in my life as a believer. But if God is the avenger and you're the innocent party, I'm not talking about if both of you are not married. And say, well, we've been living together for five, six, seven years and my, you know, boyfriend, uh, you know, had an affair. Well, he's only your boyfriend. He's not your husband. We're talking about some people who are married and there's an innocent party in this. Their spouse was having an affair with someone else. Paul wrote this. Let God be the avenger. Paul wrote this in Romans chapter 12, verse 19. He said, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Let God be the avenger. You know, we need to pray. This is, this is serious. This is in the churches today. It's sad. Verse 7, it says, For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness, when you accepted Christ, you've been called. God did not call us on the basis of moral uncleanliness, but in holiness and purity. Be pure. Verse 8, therefore, he who rejects this, everything we've just been talking about, sexual immorality, anyone who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. Rejecting holiness, rejecting the words of God rejecting the ministry of the Holy Spirit, you, you, you're just rejecting it. You got to find an excuse. Well, it's too late. Uh, I'm already in this or whatever. No, it's a sin. It's a sin against God. And those who reject this, whether they're in the world or in the church, this truth, you're not rejecting me who's telling you what's in the Bible. That's how come we study it verse by verse. I'm not giving you my laws. I'm not giving you my commandments. I'm not giving you my words. This we just read in the Bible. This is of the word of God. But anyone who rejects this rejects God. There are consequences when you reject the word of God. Because the word of God it does what? It gives us life. It gives us life. It's only to make us who God wanted us to be. And we were created for his glory. We're created for him. You weren't created for yourself or for the world. If you really truly believe in Jesus Christ and you believe in God, and you believe that it's in your heart, and you accept him as Lord and personal Savior, again, positionally you're sanctified, but that's your part too. You need to sanctify yourself. The practical, you need to avoid sin. And these are one of the sins that is just rampant. It's everywhere. It's in TV, it's in the newspapers, it's in magazines, it's everywhere. You can't avoid it. And we're living in a world where anything goes. Anyone could be with anyone because of love. Not everything you love is good for you, by the way. Oh, I love him, but we're so love. Not everything you love is good for you. And now you have men with men, women with women, or vice versa. They're just coming up with things. It's just, it's like a revolving door. It's not enough. Two pronouns are not enough. That's like 300. Science says otherwise. We forget about science. We just forget about science. But meanwhile, science is okay when you want to prove that the world's two billion years old. But when it comes that God created, when it comes to cre creation, oh, evolution, that's it. 
I shared this before. A man wants to take the state to court because he wants to marry his daughter. Anything goes. <laughs> There is no line anymore. And you, you can't even make this stuff up. It's sad. It's sad. Person rejects the word of God. Listen, we've been called to righteousness. We've been added to it. If righteousness is not what you want, if sanctification is not what you want, don't waste God's time. But God knows. God knows. God knows the heart of every man, woman, boy, or girl. Remember, saints, we were created for his pleasure. Make it your desire, your main goal in your walk with the Lord. Make it that you would please him and do the will of God. The will of God for your life is sanctification. Stay away, abstain from these things. Live a life that's pleasing to God. Walk by faith, walk in holiness, walk in purity, walk in the spirit so that you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Amen? There is a great joy when you seek God with all your heart. There's something wonderful, something beautiful. When your heart is right with God, quite often we have things that make us toss and turn at night. Oh, I got to pay the bill. I got to go to the doctor tomorrow. I got to do this and that. I might lose my job. But when you seek God in the kingdom of God and his righteousness, everything will be added to you. If you spend your time with the Lord from the morning to evening, I'm not saying to be on your knees 24 hours. I'm just saying, you know, as you go to work, pray. Med meditate on God. Think of God. Do whatever it is that, whether it's at your job to be faithful as a good employee or a good employer. Whatever you do, do it to please God. Walk in righteousness. And when you do that, God is never going to say, well, you know, you were busy trying to seek me. It's not my fault. It's not my fault your world fell apart. Your house is not taken care of and you forgot to go to your doctor's appointment and you forgot to pay your bills because you were seeking after me. God's never going to say that. You take care of God's business, he'll take care of yours. When Jesus was a little lad at the temple, he said to his parents, to Mary and Joseph, he says, I was at my father's house, don't you know about my father's business? But if you have a heart for the Lord, you know he's real in your life. Sanctify your life. Walk worthy. Walk to please God. Honor Him with your life. Take care of your vessel. He dwells in your heart. Amen. You've been listening to Running the Race with Pastor Eddie. We've been looking at some useful and applicable things in the book of 1 Thessalonians. Toward the end of this book, there are some verses that might be viewed as a test or a challenge depending on what you're going through. The author of this letter, the Apostle Paul, says to rejoice always, to pray without ceasing, and in everything to give thanks. Do you have much to be thankful and grateful for today? Be reminded that Jesus coming back someday is the greatest reason to rejoice. It's a hope that you can hold on to when the rest of the world is hopeless. We're so glad you joined us today for Running the Race. 
Are you in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area? If so, Jessica has an invitation for you. We'd love to have you come join us at Calvary Chapel of Milford. We're conveniently located off Interstate 84 and Route 6. For service times and all the information you need, visit runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Back to Homepage button. While you're there, you can listen to this teaching again or explore more messages from Pastor Eddie. Again, that website is runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks, Jessica. On our website, we also have some helpful resources to assist you in what you're learning or how you're studying the Bible. Just click on the Study Helps tab at runningtheraceradio.com. We're so glad you tuned in today, and we look forward to the next edition of Running the Race.